0: Thank you. Oh, great. Thank you. Oh, it's so good to be here with you this morning. And I consider it an incredible privilege that I was asked to speak at one of our youth ministry services. Just uh, for my reference, put up your hand if you're young. Okay, excellent. I was I was convinced that Mr. Rennes would put his hand up and then I was going to chastise him. But you know what? We are all young. And, and you know, sometimes I think... We think of church as what the adults do, and we kind of put the children aside, and they have, their, you know, they have their ministries, and that's really important. But we want you children to know that church is very important for all of you, not just for the adults. And I'll tell you folks, moms and dads and adults, if you want to know where the church is heading over the next 20 years, the next generation, just watch to see what our young people are learning, and they're doing, and they're thinking, because that is where the church is heading. And we want that to be a successful transition we want to see our young people following the Lord Jesus Christ and so therefore we want to see you guys here with us today learning these things and uh, something scared me a little bit this morning young people and that is this I'm a very visually uh, intense person I have to have pictures and slides when I present I have to have pictures and slides just to understand anything that I'm learning how many of you are like that you're kind of more visual there's kinesthetic learners and there's visual I'm a visual learner And God had something to teach me this morning because just before I got here, or when I got here, uh, Peter uh, and Levi, who were in the sound room, in the AV room, uh, found out that I didn't have my slides that I thought I was supposed to have. In fact, somehow... My slides were lost in the ether of the internet l- late, early this morning, late last night, but we were able to retrieve them, so I have my slides here, but I was ready to do it without the slides because I thought God was testing me, and, and I hope I was able to. I was, you know, I'm okay now. But thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here, and, and thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. I want to start by just reviewing what, what Blair just read, and this is really what i want to call young people our first peter 3 mandate and if you have pens or pap- paper paper pens or p- and, or pencil and paper i would like you to take notes and there are five c's that i want you to write down because those five c's are really really important to what i'm going to share with you and even if you're an adult you may take notes as well not just for the young people first peter 3 let's read let's read that again and let's read it together with great enthusiasm first peter chapter 3 verses 13 to 18 And who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Let's just go to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, your word is precious, and we thank you for it. We thank you that you have so clearly given us instructions on how to live for you in this world. And I pray, Lord, that my words would be clear, would be interesting, would be engaging, but most of all, would be truthful and consistent with what you have revealed through your word here in 1 Peter chapter 3. I pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so God through Peter here is teaching us some very, very important things, and I want to make a confession to you. I've been using this text, 1 Peter 3, always being ready to give an answer, as kind of the guiding principle of all of the w- what we've been teaching young people for about 10 to 12 years. 12 or 14 years, and I want to be honest with you, I have been using this text without really understanding what it meant. I didn't really analyze, I didn't really study and research the context of this text, I just felt it fit well with what we were trying to accomplish, teaching young people how to defend their faith. So I want to be very honest with you, when I started to read through this text and the surrounding texts, and that's always good to do when you read a text, read the text's Before and after to get the full context, I realized there was much more to my surprise, and I shouldn't have been surprised, in this passage than I originally thought. And I want to summarize it with five C's that you can take with you and apply to your lives even today and as you share your faith with others. And the first C is courage. And I don't know if that's going to come up or not, but you know how to spell courage. A-G-E, courage. C-O-U-R-A-G-E, courage. And the first part of this text says this, And who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. God says, one of the first things in this text that he says to us is, Be of good courage. You are going to suffer persecution because you are following the Lord Jesus Christ you know what's interesting about that is that you know there are there are a plethora an abundance of books and audio CDs and 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 prayer guides and tracks all about praying God's promises, or God's pro- you know, f- 40 passages on God's promises, God's promises for mothers, God's promises for children. There are so many resources that talk about God's promises throughout His Word. But you know what's interesting about that? I have not found one book, one audio CD, and one reference that proclaims one of God's very clear promises to us, and that is in 2 second chap- second Timothy Chapter 3, verse 12. And that is this. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. You think, well, is that a promise of God? Well, it is a promise of God. God promises you, young people, that if you live for Him, that if you stand for Him and you share the gospel with others, you will be persecuted. Now, in Canada, persecution takes on a different uh, image. It's not one of martyrdom, as we would see, where you'd be killed for what you believe. But I'll tell you one thing. Darkness hates light. And if you are to proclaim light in the dark world, you will be persecuted. You will be marginalized. People may call you names. And we know young people, even in our church, who have been sharing their faith in their schools, and they have received that type of persecution. We want you to know that's a promise of God. It may not seem like a happy promise. You know, when we talk about God's promises, we think of love and peace and and forgiveness, and those are all important, but sometimes God's promises are negative ones, and that this one here, we will be persecuted for what we believe. And it's really important for you to understand that. When you when you get into uh, the, the battle of the Christian faith, you realize, you know what, things aren't always great. Things don't always go well for us every day. My slide presentation didn't go well for me this morning. But that's not persecution. That's just God teaching me. But I want you to know that you will face opposition if you're a for the Lord. But you know what's wonderful? If you face opposition for doing what is good, take heart, be encouraged. That's a good thing. God is taking you to a, a deeper relationship with him. So that was the first C. What was the first C, kids? It was courage. Here's the second C. Consecrate. Now that's a big word. Consecrate. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Another way to say that is to consecrate the Lord as holy, which means to declare as sacred. For the Christian, this means to live in complete submission to Jesus Christ. It means to put Christ first if you want to know how to be courageous in your walk with the Lord and sharing the gospel with others you need to put Christ first in your life if he's not first in your life you're not going to have that strength and that encouragement that you need you know when you think about what people can do or say to you think about this you've got the God of eternity who created you who upholds the whole universe standing there representing you and he can do whatever is necessary. that situation if god is for us what's the next part of that verse who can let's try it again if god is for us who can be against us that's right and that's such an encouragement to all of us but we need to put christ at the center of our lives and keep him there the next c is confess what does the passage say here we, we need to be courageous, we need to put Jesus Christ first in our lives, and then what do we need to do as a result of that? Always be ready to make a defense. And the Greek word is apologia. That doesn't mean to apologize for what you believe. It means to defend what you believe. To anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Really what this is about is understanding what you believe and then defending what you believe. And you know, if God has saved us from our sins through Jesus Christ. The gift, the greatest gift that we can give the world is to share that wonderful gift with others. And what is it that we are to confess? Well, what we are to confess is this, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. It's as simple as that. You see, there was Adam 6,000 years ago. Adam, okay, you know how this works. You inherit your looks, good looks, bad looks, whatever it may be, some of your characteristics, through your chromosomes, and you get those chromosomes from your mom and dad. And they get their chromosomes from their mom and dad. And it goes all the way back to the first mom and dad. And who were they, young people? Who were the first mom and dad? Adam and Eve, right? But Adam and Eve also, and this is something for us to remember, we inherit our sin nature through our mom and dad, through our grandparents, all the way back to... Adam and Eve, because what did Adam and Eve do? They disobeyed God. They ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they did that, they brought sin into the world, death and suffering. And so that's the bad news that we have to share with people. We have to share with them why, why they need Jesus, because of the bad news, because of what Adam and Eve did. But then the good news is that Jesus, he's the last Adam. He came to undo what the first Adam did. And he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And if we put our faith in him we will be born again, and we will be able to live with him forever. That's the whole picture of the gospel. That's what we are to confess to other people. It's as simple as that. It's the gospel story. The last Adam, the first Adam, the last Adam. And you know, when we share the gospel with people, you know what we're really doing? We're actually holding a mirror to them. Peter, you have something for me. Oh, okay. Switch to the next slide. You know, regardless of what you think you look like today, I'm going to show you what you really look like on the outside. Okay, so for those of you, I see Mr. Stevenson forgot to coiff his hair the way he usually does. But uh, you, you you may you may be surprised at what you look like today because perhaps you know your hair is out of place or something like that. Um, but the bottom line here is that I have this mirror, and if this mirror isn't distorted, if this is a true mirror, then it really will give you a true view of what you look like on the outside. And that's what a mirror does, right? It helps you understand what you look like on the outside. You it doesn't matter what you think you look like, the mirror tells you what you really look like on the outside. And we encourage people not to be vain, but to use mirrors from time to time to make sure they look the way they think they should be looking for the appropriately for the situation. But you know what the Bible is? When we share the Bible, when we confess the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what we're doing? We are using our Bible to hold a mirror to that person, to show them that no matter how good a person they think they are on the inside, according to God's perfect standard, the standard of Jesus Christ, and the law, we are taught that, you know what? We're not as good as we think we are. Maybe we haven't robbed a bank, but maybe we haven't, we haven't done anything that's really bad. But let me ask you. One of the commandments says, "Do not lie." Anybody here lied? Mm. Okay, so chase and call up their hands up. everyone else is a liar then. <laughs> how many of you have stolen something? You know, we even steal when we rob from the government. You know how many of you have well I ask you to hold put, a put put your hands up committed adultery because Jesus raised the bar. He said, even if you think it you you've committed adultery. you know. I don't know how many, how, how you're doing. I've done, am doing pretty poorly up here. We've broken every one of God's laws. And you know, when we, we use the word of God to show people Jesus Christ, what we're really doing is showing them their sinfulness. And we're showing them that they, under the law, they're sinners, and they need a savior to save them from their sins. Because all have fallen short. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us needs salvation. And you know, I want to share something that's, that's kind of sad, because you know, our young people today, in the churches, in general, are asking questions like, can I really believe that the Bible is true? And I can't answer what my friends' questions are, and I don't have answers. And, and that's really sad. You know, the statistics are that 70% of young people that grow up in evangelical church homes walk away from the church within two years of graduation of high school. 70 to 80% of the young people in conservative Christian churches. What's going on? Why is that? You know, in the book Already Gone, we learned some interesting statistics about this situation. We find out that 90% of kids who end up leaving the church when they graduate from high school have already decided that they're, gonna, they're going to leave by ages 11 to 17. You know, a lot of y- some of you there are in that age group. And, you know, they've already checked out. They may not be gone, but they've checked it. They say, you know what, I have had enough of this Christianity. When, when I'm old enough and I'm out of the house, I'm gone. I'm not coming back. And you know what the key reason why young people said that they don't want to attend church? Because of all the errors in the Bible. Science has proven the Bible wrong. And you know what's what's really interesting and really saddening is the fact that in many cases, if you went to Sunday school, you were more likely not to believe the Bible, and you were more likely to have a very secular way of thinking than if you went to Sunday school. And I think, you know, I don't think we should get rid of Sunday school. We just have to redo it. We have to make sure that Sunday school is done in a way that really communicates to kids those answers that they need so that they can defend their faith. Because you see, what's happening in, in in, in the culture today, kids are being, remember I said the next generation will tell you, will determine where the church is going? Well, you just think about it. Kids are bombarded with all sorts of ideas today all sorts of ideas about s- secular humanism and evolution or whatever, and whatever, d- and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with those, with those questions, and so they're looking for answers. And sometimes they don't get those answers, and so they decide, well, the church doesn't have the answers. I'm going to go with what the culture says, and then they follow that, that, that route down through the culture. And so we want to teach our kids what they believe, and, and so as a church, as a ministry and our Answers Bible uh, cu- uh, curriculum in Sunday school, we want to make sure the kids have those answers. They're equipped to defend their faith. In fact, Chase, can you do me a favor? Can you come on up for, s- for a second? I know I d- this is completely spontaneous. Can you share with us the seven C's of history? Great, great work. All right, give him a hand. Good job. Basically, what, what Chase shared with you, and most moms and dads have heard this probably many times at home, we want to look at God's redemptive plan through history as the seven seas because it really helps us understand where we came from and where we're going. That, that God created a perfect world, marred by sin, but Jesus Christ entered into that history. He descended of a man named, what was his name? What was the first man's name? And Jesus is the last Adam, right? And because Jesus came, he came to to undo what Adam did in his in his in his sinfulness and Jesus came to die on the cross and rise from the dead so that anybody put their faith in Jesus they would be saved. And so we learn that our thinking is the word of God in every area and that's what we want to remember. You know, when I think about this whole thing about, you know, sharing the gospel and proclaiming and 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 telling other people about Jesus. Could you imagine firemen Firemen in a fire station, and they're polishing their fire truck, and they have all their equipment. They're checking the hoses, and they got their equipment. They know how to do CPR, and they know how to r- they rescue people and use the jaws of life to get them out of cars. And, and, of course, they know how to extinguish fires, and they do all of their drills and everything. But could you imagine at that fire station when the fire alarm went off, the firemen just stayed in the fire station and just kept practicing and rehearsing and checking and testing, but they actually never went to a car accident. They never went to a fire. What good are, good are they as firemen? Are they good firemen? No, they know how to do everything, but they're not doing it. And this is important. It's not just enough to know the truth. We need to share that truth with people who don't know it. And there are a lot out there that don't know it. And that leads us to our fourth C, conscience. Conscience. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Let me ask you a question. How many of you young people are allowed to drive once in a while when your parents let you drive the car? Oh, okay, we have one here. All of you have seen a dashboard, and you see that little red symbol. What is that red symbol? Does anybody know what that red symbol is? Well, that's actually the oil pressure warning light. And what, if that light is on or the gauge is saying that the oil pressure is low, what does that mean you need to do? Or your mom and dad need to do? Seth? Change the oil, because if, if you don't change the oil, if you don't fill the oil up when it's low, what's gonna happen to the, cu- the engine? This is a simple question. It's gonna die. Your engine will melt down, it'll get destroyed, et There'll be There'll be no engine left. That warning light, is it important for you, for the car? It's very important for the car. If you don't heed that sign uh, and that warning light and that warning light stays on and you, know, and you don't do anything about it, eventually your car is going to die. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have a little schematic here, if we can bring it up. And this schematic kind of gives you an idea as to how this whole thing works. You see, you have this pressure gauge and, and the oil pressure gauge is measuring the amount of oil pressure in the engine. And then it sends a little signal Kind of complicated, but it sends a signal to this little meter that tells your car and to tell you whether your oil pressure is adequate or if it's low. And let's just think about this. You know, I'm going, I don't like the fact that this oil pressure gauge keeps telling me the oil pressure is low. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a wire cutter, and I'm just going to snip off that little wire that's telling me that the oil pressure is low. So all of a sudden, the gauge is no longer telling you that the oil pressure is low. But have you fixed the problem? What have you done instead? You've made it worse because now you don't even know what's going on inside your engine and it's going to melt down probably. And so, yeah, on the, it, 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 in a sense, you've made yourself feel better because they don't have to look at that gauge telling me my old pressure's low anymore, but you've actually made the pressure. You know what? The same thing happens inside of our hearts and it's called our conscience. You see, in our heart of hearts, and I'm not talking about our physical heart, but our minds, what makes us who we are, where the sin comes from, We have a very special system that God has put in place. It's God's Holy Spirit through God's word that teaches us the things that we're not doing that we should be doing and the things that we are doing that we shouldn't be doing. It's called sin. And imagine this, you know, our conscience is God convicting us of the things that we should and we shouldn't be doing. That's kind of like that oil pressure gauge. When, that, when God's conscience is telling you, you know what? You shouldn't be doing that, young person or adult, or you should be doing this. What he's trying to do is bring us back on track to where we should be. Could you imagine if we just ignored that conscience and we said, I'm not going to listen to God's word. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to, to respond to what God is trying to tell me in my life. That's like cutting the wire to the oil pressure warning light. And what you're doing is becoming cool towards the Lord. And I'll tell you why this is important. God says that when we share the gospel, we have to have a good conscience. Imagine again, when you share the gospel with people and you show them the light of God's word, you're showing them themselves and their sinfulness, but you know what? You haven't been looking at the mirror of the law of the Lord in your own hearts. In other words, you're not listening to God anymore. You're not responding to the Holy Spirit anymore. Imagine... If you're trying to tell people what they really look like inside, but you s- yourself haven't done that, you know what that's called, young people? There's a word for it. Does anybody know? Pardon me? Well, that's part of it. It's hypocrisy. It's, it's telling other people they need to get their lives together. They need to get right with the Lord, but you haven't gotten right with the Lord yourself. And we don't want to do that. That's why God tells us in his word in 1 Peter 3 that if you're going to share the gospel, what you need to do, you need to do it with a clear conscience. And that's what the conscience is. It's like your oil pressure warning light telling you about the state of your own heart. And finally, the last C. If we want to bring this all together, and we want to talk about, you know, suffering for, for, for um, the Lord Jesus Christ, In other words, we talk about being courageous. We talk about consecrating the Lord Jesus as first in our lives. We talk about confessing the Lord Jesus as our Savior to other people and having a good conscience about it. Do you know who did all of this perfectly? Do you know who did all of those four things perfectly? Who do you think it was? Christ. Christ, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Think about it. Jesus stood up under persecution. Persecution from a lot of people, even his own family and disciples. But Jesus never shrunk away from persecution, did he? He always stood for truth, even to the point of death on the cross. You know, not only that, but he consecrated or made special his relationship with his heavenly father jesus himself being god being the eternal god of creation still submitted himself to his father and spent that time with the lord in prayer and bible study etc he always put god at the center of his life number three he studied the word and he boldly confessed jesus never shrunk away from sharing the truth of the gospel all the time and finally jesus always preached with a clear conscience now, Jesus was perfect. I understand that. But he's a perfect example for us. So young people, here's my challenge to you from 1 Peter chapter 3 and the Lord. Be ready, in season and out, to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to give a defense for your faith. There is great reward, but understand too, with reward there will be persecution. You'll suffer things uh, s- such as name-calling. People may look at you differently when they know that you're a Christian, but that's okay because you know what? There's no greater joy Like Jesus, the joy that was before him went to the cross. In the same way, use that as your example. There's no greater joy than to live for the Lord. And finally, do everything with a clean conscience. Don't forget your engine pressure warning light. If it's going off and it's saying, you know what, got to deal with that sin, got to deal with that sin, better stop doing that, better start doing this, don't snip the wire respond to the Lord and say, I confess that before you. And I want to make it right with you, Lord Jesus, so I can have a great relationship with you, with my mom and dad, and share the gospel. Well, that's that's my entire message to you today. That's my challenge. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word speaks so clearly to us We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who so clearly displayed courage, who consecrated his father as central in his life, who never shrunk away from confessing the Lord, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and finally, Lord, that you did everything with a clear conscience. I pray that for our young people today, I pray for our adults, Lord, may we take this message seriously that you have given us from your word. In your name I pray, amen.